All right, all right. Who's fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on, somebody. Woo! It is great to see you. We're thrilled that you chose to be with us. Welcome to all of our campuses. We're so excited. And you guys are in for a special treat this weekend. Just get ready. Uh, I've had a friend of mine in ministry that I've known about, followed, learned so much from, uh, Ed Young, the pastor of Fellowship Church in uh, Dallas, Texas. We have been going to his conference since he started it. And uh, although Ed's done a ton of stuff for the kingdom, written a lot of books, done a lot of things, but two things that he has done that has just really marked, that have that marked Michelle and I, and that is creativity. You know, we, the people of God, ought to be the most creative people on the planet. Amen? And yet, and you go to church, you can set your watch by it. There's nothing creative, nothing out. And this guy has really brought creativity and uh and we have used so much of what he's done. And then just evangelism. They have won tens of thousands of people to Jesus in the Dallas metro. Uh, if you ladies remember, his young Lisa, his wife Lisa spoke a few years ago at our women's, at our ladies conference, did an incredible job. Actually, we got Ed because Lisa was busy. No, that's not true. Uh, and so I'm excited. He, he's just an incredible man of God, has impacted, done so much. So he's going to come share. Would you guys give Ed Young a good faith promise? Welcome. Hey, I want to tell you something. This is a phenomenal church, and your pastor is like on a whole nother level, an HNL. You know what I'm saying to you? Whole nother level. Do that with me. Whole nother level. So give yourselves a round of applause. And I want to thank everyone for being here today. Man, man, you guys look absolutely wonderful. I want to say hi to all the campuses. You'll see a little, a little outline that you were given when you walked in. You see this? You see this? It says uh, 50 Shades of They. You see that? You see that? I wrote a book recently called 50 Shades of They. So, so take your outlines out and wave them if you would. Does everyone have one? Okay, okay, good. Now, I want you to use a pen or a pencil. It could be like uh, something for, you know, that you use to, for, for eyeliner or whatever. I want you to fill these, fill these blanks in because we're going to talk about the importance of friends. We're going to talk about the importance of having the right people in your lives. Because here's what people say to me all the time, and they probably say the same thing to you. They'll go, yeah, they said... They feel they've been coming to me. If you want to totally mess somebody up, just go, whoa, 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 stop in the name of love. Who are they? And they'll go, well, uh, they, them, them, those, those, and it ends up being just a few. So the question I want to ask you is, who are the they in your life? Who are the they in your life? How do you spell relational relief? In other words, what did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they hadn't been around? Let me say that again. What did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they hadn't have been around? They. The sway of, say it with me. Yeah, they. 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 Who are they? Sometimes people 
bat around this question. People go like, okay, what's the meaning of life? You know, why am I here? Why am I taking up space on this blue planet? People ask that question. Well, the Bible tells us why we're here. And if you're a believer, you're like, okay, I probably know the answer. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're here and you're kind of kicking tires and testing the waters. You're like, I mean, why? I mean, I would like to know what the Bible says about why I'm here. We're here, the Bible says, to glorify God. That's it, to glorify God. We're here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We're, we're made different than, than the animals. The, the Bible tells you and me that we're made in the image of God. That means that we're on a whole nother level compared to animals. Yet people tell us we're like spawning salmon, we're dogs in heat. No, 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 no. We are unique. We're one of a kind. We're made in the image of God. Isn't that great? I'm made in God's image. So I have some characteristics and qualities from God. I'm here to glorify God. Now, what does it mean to glorify God? Because that's kind of a tough thing for us to grasp. To glorify God means to reflect him in everything we do, say, touch, and feel. When I do that, I'm glorifying God. Then I understand that my life is about glorifying God. So I'm like one big honking mirror. I should reflect his attributes and all that I'm about. Well, one of God's attributes is that of being a relational God. I mean, the nucleus of God is his holiness. We know that. However, he doesn't hydroplane over his holiness. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to keep my glory to myself. He shares it. We serve a relational God. So every time I'm relational, every time I am hanging out with my squad or with my posse or with my boys or whatever you want to say, I'm mirroring the majesty of my maker, which is God. We have that choice, do we not, to either become followers of Christ or not. We have that choice. Once we become followers of Christ, we need to reflect him. We should reflect him in every area, yet we need to reflect him if we're going to discover the greatness God has for us in the area of relationship. So... Who were the they in your life? Could it be that you need to cut some people from your herd? Could it, could it be that you need to walk toward certain relationships and maybe walk away from others? Maybe you're single and, you know, you have that desire to mingle. I get that. And, 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 and maybe just maybe you're dating someone or you're talking to someone and, and, and maybe you've never really done a friend in Tory. Maybe you've never really looked at this person who is in your life. Well, the Bible tells us, and you can read it on your outline, 50 shades of they, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the Bahamas because I'm a big fisherman. I don't go where the tourists go. I go where the big fish are big and dumb out in the middle of nowhere. And the Bahamians have a saying, they'll say, man, you're doing fool. You're doing fool, man. That means you're being an idiot. 
And this text says, when it comes to friends, when it comes to relationships, don't be an idiot. Proverbs 27, 19 says, a mirror reflects a man's face. But what he's really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. So I have a choice in the matter. I don't just go like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to fall into this friendship. Oh wow, I'm just sucked into the vortex of this relationship. No, I'm walking. And when the Bible talks about walking, walking means I'm doing life. Now, if you're like me, you might kind of have a pimp limp when you walk. I do. Other kind of people walk like this, you know. You always got the bodybuilder walk, the crossfitter walk. You kind of, kind of that muscular walk, boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm saying to you? We all have different walks. Who are you walking with? Because life is short. We're not going to live very long. We're here to glorify God, and then we move from this life to the next, and we move to glory, heaven. So who are you walking with? I'll, I'll ask you again. How do you spell relational relief? I don't care if you're 5 or 75. How do you spell it? I had the opportunity to play basketball at Florida State University. No booze, please. No booze. I played for the criminals. And <laughs> while I played at Florida State, I sat the bench most of the time. I had a full scholarship, but I rode the pine, if you, if you, if you feel me. So I, I met a lot of unique people at FSU, especially around the athletic dorm and, you know, all of that chicanery and craziness that, that college athletes deal with. There was a guy that I knew, and, and he was a great guy. He had so much potential, so much going for him in life. And, and I heard he was kind of messing around in some things, and he'd stolen some things, and, and, and I was thinking, like, man, I can't believe it. And one day he just bolted, gone. So, you know, I kind of forgot about him. His name was Larry. And years later, a friend of mine called, and the voice on the other end of the phone said, Ed, have you heard about Larry? I said, you mean the guy I played ball with? No, no, what's up? He goes, he just murdered someone. It's all over the news, and the guy is in the state penitentiary. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. So the next time I was in that town, I looked him up, and I went to see him. And I was sitting down at a picnic table in the prison yard, and he walked out, tears streaming down his face. And I said, Larry, man, what happened? I mean, we hung out together. We played basketball together. What happened? And I'll never forget what he said. Here's how he started off his life story. I had these friends. I had these friends. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that four-word phrase. I had these friends. I had these friends, but also maybe today we can go, I have these friends. Because we're going to look at who the they are in your life and in my life. 
I want you to notice some relationships to walk away from. I had these friends. I mean, you need to walk away. I need to walk away from some relationships that just aren't taking me to the level that God wants me to live on. Proverbs 14, 7 says, Escape quickly from the company of fools. They're a waste of your time. Do you know some people like that? A waste of your words. There are different types of friends. The first type would be the cray friend. I'm talking about someone who's straight jacket crazy. You have friends like that. I know. I can tell by looking at you. And I believe the devil himself puts about 10 cray people in every believer's life. And he'll get you so isolated and so messed up. And you'll try to help them and pray for them and counsel them and counsel them and help them and pray them. But, but 20 years later, they're still as wacky as they were when you first met them. Cray friends. How do you know it if they're crazy? Well, when you talk to them, you see the whites of their eyes. They blow up your phone. They're always dragging around drama and trauma. You got to just go, wow, that person is a cray person. Any cray people? Then there's the decay person. This is the person that you're in a relationship with, and they're really a relationship. It's a relationship. You know what a leech is? It sucks the blood. One time I got a leech on me. I love to fish, you know. It has fins and scales. I'll chase it. I was fishing. I was wading in this, in this pond trying to catch some largemouth bass, and I jumped out of the pond. I had these leeches on me. I was like, ah, ah, And thankfully, I was uh, fishing with a, with a marine, and he took a uh, cigarette, you know, burned the, burned the leech off. So, Relationships, decay people are those people that suck the life out of you. It's like when you're with them, you're going, man, it seems like 30 minutes, but it's only been five minutes. I got some advice if you have any decay friends. Head for the hills. Get out of town. Stay away from them. Are you feeling me? And then we have display friends. You know display friends, especially they're on social media. Always saying, you know, I did this or I did that. And whenever you talk to them, it's me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 I. They'll ask you how are you doing, but they don't care how you're doing because they want to one-up you. You might be going, hey, I just got back from a, from a cruise and we went to Cabo and we went to Cozumel, and the, and the display friend will go, you think that's something? I was just on Bill Gates' yacht in the Greek Isles for two months. They're always, click, raising that bar. Always, okay, you're here, but I'm here. Always topping you. Always being superior. Life is too short. To hang out with the display people. You get a new car. Oh, but look at my car. You get a new house. That's a nice starter house. You know what I'm saying? You know those people. Life is too short to hang out with them. We're here to glorify God. To mirror the majesty of our maker. In everything we do, say, touch, and feel. 
And one of the ways we mirror him is through relationships. Relationships. And let me just give you a hint. The best place to meet people, right here in this great church. Let me say it again. The best place to meet people is in church. In church, in church, in church. Because here's the church. There's a steeple. Open the doors and see all of the cool people. Now, I know everyone here is not the perfect person for you to relate with. I understand that. However, you're going to meet the best friends right here. Your best friends you'll meet right here. But you can't say, well, you know, I just like hang out and, you know, no one's talking to me or no one's coming up to me. You've got to step up and step out and get involved in the game. And that brings us to the next thing that I want to talk about. Relationships to walk to. So we walk from the cray, the decay, and the display people. And there are many, many others, but I don't have time to get into them. And we walk to relationships to walk to the right they. Who are the they in your life? The right they are met, for the most part, right here in the only thing Jesus ever built, the local church. The church should be a place of relationships. People go like, oh, man, that church is so social. Great. That means it is a New Testament, biblically functioning church. Who are they in your life? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, and let me tell you this, this verse on your, on your outline is the most unpopular verse in relationship to dating and in relationship to friendships you'll ever read. And you'll get mad at me, but i got to read it. i got to say it. Do not be yoked together. Some of you are going, man, yolks are bad for you. I like egg whites. No, 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 it's another yolk. I'll get back to it. But the yoke is not a joke. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship, that's a good name for a church. That's the name of our church. That's why I threw that in. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Ouch. Don't be yoked together with non-believers. Is this spiritual apartheid? Is God being discriminatory, capricious, or cruel? No, no, no. He's being strategic. The Bible does not say that we should not associate with people who don't know the Lord. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I have a lot of people in my life who are not followers of Christ. However, my best friends, the right they, are people who have this foundation and they know Jesus Christ personally. And this is especially true. Somebody help me. If you're dating somebody, oh my goodness, a yoke was a piece of farming equipment back in the day. It was like a big wooden thing that had two holes in it. In one hole, you would put an ox. <coughs> hey, like that. In the other hole, you would put another ox. <coughs> Pretty good. Sound effects free. 
anybody who was wise would be, would be plowing a field with two oxes, oxen, and they would plow in a straight line because you had animals of the same nature and the same strength. Are you feeling me? Well, when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, the Bible's saying don't put a, an ox with a Don't put an ox with a donkey. A donkey is different than an ox. A donkey doesn't have the same nature. It's not the same kind of animal as an ox. Don't do it. Donkeys are stubborn. They're irritable. Oxen are pretty obedient. They're, they're, they'll, they'll just grind it out. So if you're unequally yoked and you're a farmer, you can't plant in straight lines. You can't plow a field in the correct manner. So you see the beauty of God. God's going, wait a minute. Your best relationships, you must be equally yoked. Okay, maybe you're single. You're 14 or maybe you're, I don't know, 45. Why? Why would God do that to me? I mean, because if we obey this text, it eliminates about two-thirds of the potential candidates that we can marry. That's, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? Why would God say that? Well, we know God is sovereign, and he, 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 he wants us to glorify him because God glorifies God. He desires us to be equally yoked, number one, because he wants us to operate off the same playbook. Now, can you imagine if, let's say, the University of Tennessee, their football team, if, if, if you gave half of their offense one playbook and the other half another playbook, it would be chaos. It would be a fiasco. You've got to know the play. You've got to look at the same playbook. You've got to be on the same page. Think about marriage. Can you imagine making a lifelong commitment to someone and the husband is reading this playbook? Oh, yeah, I like to do this. This is what I want to do. And, and the wife is, is looking at another playbook. It's going to be awful. Disastrous. So see how great our God is? Also, too, when you get married, oftentimes you're going to have kids. It just happens. Again, I, I, think about the genius of God. So you have kids, you crank out two or three kids, and all of a sudden, the man is thinking about, okay, I'm going to rear my son, my daughter this way. And, uh, you know, the mom's going, no, 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 no. They're going this way. There's dissonance, not harmony. Also, you get married, you're going to have some arguments. Man, it got quiet. Right? Nod your head like, okay, yeah, yeah. You have some arguments, some disagreements. Why? Because you have two self-centered centers in the marriage. And when you have two self-centered sinners, you'll have a lot of self-centered sinning going on. You'll have relational turmoil sometimes. If you're both followers of Christ, if you're both equally yoked, you have the spirit and the ministry, the Bible says, of reconciliation. So when 
I have been wrong with my wife, Lisa. We've been married for 37 years. Even though I'm like, oh, I'm right. I'm the man. She's wrong. All I have to do is look at the cross and go, what did Jesus do? He took the initiative. Part of the glory of God is the fact that God shared his glory, shared his holiness with us. So I must come together with my wife and mirror the gospel. The gospel is about sacrifice. The gospel is about redemption. The gospel is about forgiveness. So even, you know, if she's 99.9% wrong and I'm just 0.1% wrong, I am to make sure that we reconcile the relationship. If you don't have this going on, good luck. Good luck. Don't you see the genius of God? Let's just clap right now for the genius of God. So what that tells me, though, if I'm a single, of course I'm not, it means you better date followers of Christ because you can't fall in love with the wrong person. Powerful verse. And I love this verse too. I, I threw this in, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10, because one day I was studying being unequally yoked, and I couldn't believe what I found. This kind of extra credit, okay? It says, do not plow with a and a hee-haw yoke together. You see that? You see that? Just nod your head. Oh, yeah. Well, a donkey can eat poisonous grasses, and if he is yoked up with an oxen, his breath can be so bad, it can literally poison the oxen and kill the oxen. Do you want to have halitosis for your entire life? I thought that was funny. Halitosis, halitosis, get it? You got to laugh with me, please. Don't do it. So what are you doing dating that? What are you doing and your best friends are? I'm just asking. I'm just saying. So when it comes down to walking to the right relationships, I've tried to break it. Break it down in, in this book, 50 Shades of Day. But I want to give you just a Wikipedia right here. Now, I'm, I'm, because I sat the bench, Pastor, at Florida State, you know, I hate to say this, but I memorized a lot of cheers because all the cheerleaders from all the different schools were always right by the bench. So I know all sorts of cheers. You want to hear one? This is just totally, you know, arbitrary, but once I heard my grandma say, FSU is coming this way with a Vivo, with a Vivo, with a Vivo, Vivo, Vumble, and a Riptail, Raptail, sitting on a cattail, bum, bum, bum. What's the matter with that team that they can't see, that they can't play as well as we, with a Vivo, with a Vivo, with a Vivo, 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 and a Riptail, Raptail, sitting on a cattail, bum, bum, bum. That's just one. That's just one. Give me a T. The right they should be teachable. Who are the they in your life? 
Now, now, now I'm challenging you to do a friend inventory. This is tough. This is not easy. This is deep stuff. Are they teachable? People who are great people are teachable. That's just one thing I've noticed about, about your pastor over the years. He's a teachable person. I've never felt like, oh, man, I'm Chris. I know the deal. I know the score. No, no. He will ask questions. You've got to ask the right people the right questions to get the right answers. Get your ask in gear, always seeking knowledge. Are you asking questions? So often we're so busy talking about ourselves, and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God will say, shut up! You might learn something. The right they, are they teachable in your life? Huge, huge value. Going back to the Bible, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man and, wow, he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, or woman, of course, and she or he will increase in learning. The right day in your life will listen to instruction, and they'll do it. Now, that sounded so, so easy. Let me, let me just say, say, say something. Many people are self-unaware. They're self-unaware. Someone who's teachable is self-aware. One of the biggest frustrations that I deal with being a pastor, I've been a pastor now for almost 30 years at Fellowship Church. I've sat down with people on welfare and people who are multi-billionaires, and I've told them what the Bible says regarding friendships and relationships. And I can name many of them who've done the exact opposite of what this book says. If you think you're this big and this bad to roll the dice, if you think you know more than God about dating, about mating, about friendship, hey, man, go for it. But I can give you a list of people who start their sob stories off with, I had these friends. Teachable. Give me an age. Are they honest? I mean, I want people who are honest. I want people who, who, who speak the truth in love. Chapter 11, verse 3 of Proverbs, the integrity, you know the word integrity comes from the word integer, and it makes me nervous just saying integer because I was horrible at math. Too many people give us fractions, don't they, instead of the wholeness, the whole truth, but the integrity of the upright guides them, but the wickedness, the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Is this person honest? Do they exaggerate? Do they elongate? Or do they tell the truth? Are they honest? Do they love you enough to tell you the truth? Now, one of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity is this thing called accountability. Most Christians have no clue what accountability means. Accountability emerges from affinity. You've got to have a connection with someone You've got to walk with someone. You've got to have community with someone. And then from that flows accountability. 
Honesty is massive. You're not criticizing the person. You're just giving them critique when the time is right. How about your friends? I mean, are they, are they challenging you to serve in the church? Because we're either serving or swerving, right? Are they challenging you in your walk with the Lord? Great questions. Give me an E. Are they encouraging? I like that. I like that word, encourage, encouragement. When, when I encourage someone, I'm putting courage in their lives. I'm encouraging them. I remember years ago, I used to hang out with some people, and I felt to myself, you know, these people are sort of tolerating me. And I, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to be around people that just tolerate me. I'm going to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. Celebrated, celebrated, celebrated. So I left some of the they. I did what this outline is telling me to do. I, I, I moved. I walked away from the wrong they and walked to the right they where I was celebrated. How about your friends? When you have something good happen to you, do they go, man, great for you? You make some money on a deal, do they go, awesome? You get this opportunity or travel there on Bill Gates' yacht in the Greek Isles, and they say, how did you pull that off? That is like the ultimate. Or are they <coughs> slurping that haterade? Questions, answers, are they teachable, the people I'm walking with? Are they honest? Are they building courage in my life? Because I've got enough discouragement. I'm writing a book right now on betrayal. Let me tell you something about being a pastor. This will shock you. Of all of the people I've interviewed and talked to in my life, all the positions, the number one position that absorbs the most betrayal is the position that I'm in and the position that he's in. He would never tell you that, but I can. It's nothing like it. So that is, in effect, by virtue of what I do, but you know what? You're a homemaker you're going to face it too. You know what? You're a coach. You're definitely going to face it too. Especially if you coach, I guess, the University of Tennessee, right? I'm kidding. Are they, are they having a good year this year? No. Well, I love the colors though, man. And the field, the way the end zone, I love that. The checker, is it checkerboard? I love that. And my, and my son-in-law is here, and he's a huge, huge fan. Anyway, I don't want to go off the subject, but the last one is why are they yielded? Are they yielded? Yes, men and yes, women. Are they yielded to God and yielded to you? The Bible says commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So it's easy to say here, right? Fifty shades of they. But how do you apply this relational work? 
The Holy Spirit of God does it. It happens when we walk away from some people, and there's some people you need to walk away from, and I've got to walk toward and to others. And when you do that, you're glorifying God. You're this beautiful mirror as people see the Lord Jesus and his love and grace infiltrating every area of your life. All right? Let's do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for this time that, that we can be here. I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for this amazing pastor and what you're doing here and what you're going to do, God, because of this relational revolution. We voice this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our living Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, give that, give that a hand. Hey, there's one, there's one person we've got to walk to. We've got to run to. We've got to crawl to. We've got to get to. There's one relationship that trumps all other relationships. There's one relationships, relationship that makes life worth living. He's the one that bought us life on the cross. He's the one that gives us life. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. I, I just believe that people by the millions would run to God if they had the right picture of him. Loving, incredible. Even as I pray and I seek him every morning, I'm talking to him and say, Lord, help me present you in your glory. Help me present you in your wonder, in your, in your majesty. He's so much greater than religion. Come on. He's everything. For those of us that know him, our forevers have been changed. And this church is about you getting to know him. So if you're here and maybe you're in relational bondage, maybe you're in turmoil, maybe your life is unraveled because your marriage or something in your life is unraveled and you're ready to open your heart up and surrender your life to Jesus, he's ready to adopt you, forgive you, love you, fill you, and bring incredible friends around you so that your life will truly reflect his majesty. So if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, he's ready right now so that all of our campuses with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just pray this simple prayer. We're going to pray it out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know we're separated, and it's all my fault. I run to you. Forgive me. Adopt me. Save me. Show me my next steps. By faith, I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. If you prayed that simple prayer, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip it up. Slip it up. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, several. Hold just heads bowed for just a couple more seconds while all our ushers get those cards out. Hold them up till you get a card. So hold the hands up. There you go. There you go. All right. Okay. All right, look up here. Hands in every section. Come on. Every weekend, people are giving their heart to Jesus at Faith Promise. What an incredible privilege it is to be a part of a live church. 
So this one I want you to do in front of you. There's a communication card if you'll pull that out. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill it out, check the circle. I'm making a decision to follow him. I want to encourage you to check the next circle. I need to be baptized. So if you'll fill those out. Also, if you have not been a part of our next steps experience, come on, Faith Promise, next steps is your next step. You can literally uh, just check your kids back in, or you can go to Next Steps after this service in the chapel. It's Saturday night, 6.15, and at Pellissippi Saturday at 11.30 on Sunday morning and at every campus during the 11.30 hour this weekend. Weekend number three, you will find your purpose of why God made you. It's an incredible opportunity. So I want to challenge you to get in that. If not, just fill, just say I'm, I need to go to Next Step, Texas Circle, and be there next weekend. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. You guys can see why I love Ed. So we get ready to move into generosity. If you'll fill all the communication cards out, guest, if you'll fill those out. And at Pellissippi, after this is over, if you'll put your guest cards in the uh, offering buckets and then go out the center doors. we got a gift for you. Just go to the tables. Uh, people love to meet you, have a gift for you. But as we get ready to give, I want to share a story that happened at Faith Promise three years ago. It's about a grandmother named Angela. And three years ago, she attended her Olive's Bride experience at North Knox campus, and she brought all her grandkids. The kids were were there. They had such an incredible time that they asked her grandmother, can we go back this weekend, this coming Sunday, they did. This year, as all is bright, as, as we get ready to minister, and Angela and her grandkids, actually her whole family, who is now going to the North Knoxville campus because they came to and experienced our, you know, all is bright. It's incredible. This year, over 2,500 kids, like Angela's grandkids, will be loved on, cared for, and impacted through this holiday season, and our all is bright. Angela's been restored uh, to the relationship with her daughter and pray for her son. He's in our, our Bledsoe, God by and bar's campus, that God will help get him out of there. Just, just one of the reasons that, that we give. So God will change lives. One of our values of faith promise, we give generously. Because we want to be like Jesus. All is bright is coming. And there will be so many real people with real problems that will experience the real love of Jesus through that. We're going to help them through the all is bright experience. Uh, it's going to be an incredible time if you want to be a part of that. Again, pray for Angela's son who's faithful uh, at our God Behind Bars campus and just wants to be reunited with his family. So as we get ready to give, our ushers are going to come. I'm going to pray and then watch this video, and then just remain seated. We're not over. God, we thank you for an incredible message. We thank you for the incredible generosity of promisers and how that is being used all around the world and all around our communities. God, we ask you to bless this offering in a supernatural way, and God, use us to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, let's give him a shout as we're able to give. 